We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Today we have for you the perfect Halloween story to kick off a spooktacular time. No, in all seriousness, this will be a huge month for us as we are doing a bunch of spooky reads. And who better than the comedy master Gogol? Now, this is one of his like horror stories that everyone talks about. Uh, and if you haven't read it, it's a treat. It's part of his earlier writings, like with the Ukrainian tales and such that uh, it's got this just how do you describe early Gogol? It, it, it's fantastic. It's the Google verse, it's so good. It's so rich. I love all the characters and they all feel very flushed out, especially in this story, V, Vi. I don't know how to say it perfectly, uh, but it, it feels like all of them uh, have almost like a, a point to what he was trying to emphasize. One of the things that really stuck out for me with this is how Google just perfectly blends this. I think a lot of people call it magical realism, right? Where you're in a reality, you assume it's real, but you just, you accept these fantastical elements where, you know, suddenly this lady who, who you know, they're, they're, they're hungry, they're traveling, they're trying to stay in at this house. And all of a sudden she just starts writing them like a, like a bull. <laughs> and you just, you just accept it as reality. And there's even like that line when like he walks into the room where they say, and rolled over on his other side in order to fall into a dead sleep. So it's kind of like you're you're questioning almost like that. Uh, is this real or not? Like like you remember uh, when we did a Christmas Carol? You know, is a undigested piece of beef or a, a crumb of cheese, right? Like like this could be his imagination. <laughs> yeah. And you'll notice that there's almost like these links between what could be a magical realism, fantastic element with reality. Yeah. So throughout the story, it felt like he was creating this piece of realism on top of fantasy. But is fantasy the real world and the realism is the fake? I almost kind of like felt that that all of this seemed very fa fantastical to me of him being, you know, kind of almost drawn or uh, like manipulated to go out and to 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 leave the seminary and then uh, go on this kind of adventure. It was almost like a hero's journey. So it felt fantastical all the way from the beginning with elements of realism sprinkled in. Well, you had the the friend that was like a klepto, which was hilarious, just, just had a fish in his pocket, a sturgeon of nonetheless. And we find out later when he's going to the the what was it, the colonel's area, the rich man, that there's uh, there's this market that's known for sturgeon, too. And you see the link there. You had the wolves kind of like barking in the distance. And then you have these fantastical elements and stories of the wolves. And even like when he beats the the witch, right? Her eyelashes are long and pointy. And at the end, when, you know, we have this again, this fantastic element when she comes back to life to be the, 
this creature with eyelids that reach the ground, the eyelids being long and pointy is reminiscent of even when he's looking at her when she's beautiful too. So you have almost like a direct correlation of something in the magical realism world directly linking with something in the, 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 the actual world. Do you think he was trying to confuse this on purpose so you don't ever really know whether you're in the fantasy world or in the real world? Or we're supposed to think to ourselves, is there fantasy, is there magic, you just have to look for it. Even in the most mundane things of life, there are magical elements. You know, we talked about how there is a movie, or a couple of movies, I think, based on this. And I sent you that picture, how yeah. even on the cover, I mean, this was one of my favorite parts in the writings when they talk about how there was like a tear coming down her face, but then it turns into blood, blood again, transforming. Uh, it, there, there's something to be said about how our stories, our life, like they impact us and and what we think of the world, right? We have the philosopher, though he had fortified himself with a good mug of vodka, secretly felt timorousness creeping over him as they drew near the lighted church. The tales and strange stories he had heard helped to affect his imagination still more. So this has kind of like that Poe feeling. Like remember in the House of Usher, when you're approaching the house, it's like you cross the pane into this other world where you're not sure what's real. Well, here even the main character is accepting that there's this impact that stories have on our imaginations and thus our reality. Yeah, I think that's a good point with, you know, our perceived notion of what is reality. And I think Gogol's perception is very different than ours. A lot of this, to me, I, I think that we kind of skipped over at this point, but uh, I think it's a good time to bring it up, is the religious element, right? It felt like very much, not that he was making fun of religion, but he was drawing a very clear eye to that religion has a supernatural element to it. Just with the seminary and the witch, the blood, three days, it just... It felt like it was hitting me in the head over and over again of religion, 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 religion throughout the entire piece. Well, even then, the the friend, like his theologian, like the, the friend, right? And it, it's interesting when you look at what are the roles these characters have, because when you look at the theologian, he was the one that was kind of always stealing things. Like he's almost like borrowing things. And I guess there's commentary there, too, about how uh, there is play between religions, too. And like we talked before about how uh, when Buddhism came to Japan, Japan's like, oh, I like this. I'm going to take this part of the religion and kind of integrate it into my life. And then Christianity came to Japan and they're like, oh, I like this. I'm going to take this part of Christianity. <laughs> there's, you know, there's there's an influence even cultures have on each other to an extent, religions, right? And you had the the rhetorician who, remember when like the main character like wanted to take off? He's like, yeah, I, I'm not going back in there. It's freaky stuff's happening. I'm out. Like day two, done, right? And the yeah. rhetorician, aka the guy that's supposed to convince you of crap, is the one that's like, no, you gotta stay. Like he like he like he's convinced by the town and such that he has to stay. <clears throat> the poor philosopher, who's supposed to be the one that makes sense of everything, the one that if there was confusion on reality and and fake, like you'd think that he would be the one that could could make sense of it, that could understand what's going on, the big brain. He could big brain through it, right? But he's yeah. the one that almost seems like the most confused in a sense, like we're to the point where none of these characters have like this 
perfect presentation of our, our grasp on reality of what what they even should be doing. Yeah, I felt like the philosopher was almost like an oxymoron, right? He's the one that's supposed to be able to, as you said, big brain his way through this, but he's also relying a lot on faith, as we see, to stumble his way through the story. But then he just, he succumbs so easy to be like, I want to leave. Okay, I guess you convinced me I'll stay. And I know that's like, we we succumb to our sins very easily sometimes, that it is hard to not sin uh, when it's things that you want to do. But I felt like, isn't he supposed to be the hero of the story? He's supposed to say, no, I, I'm going to go on. And of course, there wouldn't be a story and there wouldn't be a, the, the great ending to it, the kind of twist that that Gogol gives us. But I, I felt like he should have he should have put up a little bit more resistance than been like, oh, no, stop me. I'm not going to go back in. <laughs> well, you know, when you look at like some of like the text, like there's parts where like they're talking about the garden being full of weeds, right? Like you, you talked earlier about like some of the biblical imagery and such. And even when we think about how I don't know what your thoughts are, but like I always look at it as Dracula is like this kind of like perversion of religion, right? Like you have to invite evil in. Uh, it's something that corrupts you, that sort of thing. And, and here are all these influences on the young philosopher's life. Do right. you think it was the right thing for him to go back? Like, like you talk about you talk about this bravery, right? Like bravery seems like a theme here too, especially when you think about Cossacks and they mentioned several times about like, like, oh, I ought to be this way. Talk to me more oh, yeah, about Russian Ukrainian history. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me more about like what, what your view is on bravery in that context and why is it the right thing to go back? Why is it the right thing to complete his word? Well, I think that he doesn't know. So we don't know. But I think that he thinks he, he's doing right, so he's making the brave choice of staying, but even though he wants to leave. So if you don't want to do something, especially when it, you're in, you know, peril, mortal peril, because, you know, all these, you know, there's demons and witches and, you know, uh, monsters trying to kill him, and he wants to leave, but he stays. So that is kind of the definition of being brave or, or stupid. And in his eyes, I guess he sees himself as being brave. But he seems so indifferent to it all, right? In one point in the story, uh, and, and I wanted to quote this real quick, it says, God knows how to explain that. It's a known fact that the master sometimes wants something that even the most literate man can't figure out. As the saying goes, hop faster, mind the master. And so he's kind of just doing what he's told. I don't know if he's thinking for himself that this is a brave action I'm doing. He's just going with the flow. Why do you think he... So like you'd almost expect the theologian to be the one that uses the incantations. Like I, I like they talk about like this like protective circle. I I wasn't quite sure what he was doing, but you'd almost expect the theologian to do that, not the philosopher. The philosopher's supposed to be the logical one. I almost think that like you'd have to see evidence or proof to believe in something. But I think you know particularly when you look at the era, there's a certain amount of assumption that you're born into belief that you actually have to. You have to take steps to leave belief almost in a sense, uh, in a sense. And, you know, we talked a little bit, this is earlier on in Gogol's writings, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, but I, I think earlier on, remember, he was no, very early. Yeah. So he was rejecting a lot of the religion that his parents were pushing onto him, right? Like he was just kind of like, eh, not really for me and not really my thing. And, and, you know, obviously as he grew older, things changed, but you can kind of see how his characters too live in this world where. Uh, a, a state of belief is is the norm and they're breaking out of it in a sense. 
I think this is the genius of Gogol of creating, as we've said prior before, the different layers of the story. But also, he's definitely drawing attention to this on purpose of what these roles are. And I know that we said there aren't kind of like the different divisions of class, but there are roles that certain people we are thought to believe play in society with the theologian, the philosopher, the priest, the witch. They all have these standards that are set by society of expectations we have them. And I think Gogol is trying to point out these that they can be subverted. Oh, yeah. here's a, yeah, here's an interesting idea, because if you are born into that, you have certain expectations of what reward means. If you do this, you get this this eternal reward, this heavenly reward, eternal life. Yeah. Right? And you'll notice the everybody's trying to coerce the the philosopher, the guy that's trying to be logical, right? Like the the colonel's just like, look, uh, even the devil knows not to cross me, right? Like, and the rector is <laughs> just like, look, I can't tell you to go, but you better go, or I will beat you so hard you won't shower for a week, right? Like, like everyone's <laughs> everyone's coercing him to do this, you know, thing that that everybody views as morally correct or, or the thing to do, and he's trying to back out of it. Right. It's like day two. He's like, I got to split. And even his friends are like, no, you got to go back. So so here's a question is, is how is this man maybe throwing off rewards and not accepting like that standard societal view of what one ought to do? Yeah. And then Gogol throws you through another loop. Right. So he stays. And then what happens? What is his reward? Death. He gets killed. And we realize that, yes, the, the, the lady is probably the witch and the daughter of, of, of the, the colonel. And this is kind of his payback. And so, you know, no good deed goes unpunished or no bad deed goes unpunished here uh, for, for what he did. Because, you know, the, the philosopher beat her and didn't realize that she was a witch and had a, you know, a bad daddy that was going to get some revenge for her. Uh, so very strange that twist at the end of he gets his upcomings and you're like, oh man, kind of reminds me of Pascal's wager, right? Like you, you, the theory of like, like, well, if, if religion is true, then doing everything per this rule book means you get eternal life. And that seems like a hell of a lot better than if religion weren't true. Well, then we just die no matter what. Right. So the Pascal's wager is, well, why wouldn't you go with religion is, is the, the, the rhetoric or like the argument there. And, and it's interesting how Gogol, like, you know, when you look at it, a base of like what, what the time period thought of, of how religious the state was. Uh, and he's sitting here kind of like challenging that and putting out these like really fantastic stories. It's, it really just gives you a great ride. And it's kind of interesting to think about someone challenging the norm that, that is the end for him, right? Like we don't go to heaven or, or something else when he is trying to do this quote unquote right thing. Uh, even though he walks into it doing these incantations and stuff, I, it's, you know, with Gogol, maybe it's all just farce, right? Maybe it's all just for fun, but it's fun to talk about like what could be these meanings and how do we look at rewards in the light of what everyone says we ought to do. And in the end, you could look at it that the philosopher lost his faith, and that's why he's ultimately punished or why the sin overcomes him. But what did you think about the ending of when it kind of fast forwards and it goes back to Kiev and the 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 people that were at his school are talking about his death 
And I, I thought it was hilarious. The guy's like, yeah, all of the women down there on the street are witches. And then I feel like the guy got his because he was bad mouthing the witches. What did you think of the ending? It all has nothing witches. to do with the philosopher, really. Yeah, there's there's always a couple of those comments. Because like, remember, even when we look at when we look at uh, Dead Souls, his novel, he's got this way of I can't tell if he's buying into stereotypes or if he's using the stereotypes to make fun of the stereotypes. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like there's, OK. Yeah. Like, like there, there's always like that questionable fine line to me of like. Do I really think like like this is Gogol injecting like that that machismo? Because remember when we did um, a terrible curse, a terrible story by him? Remember, there was almost like that gender challenge of what women and power meant in a sense, too. So I'm always questioning whether Gogol is feeding into it or challenging the stereotype. Yeah, I mean, I guess nowadays we'd say he's almost kind of like breaking the fourth wall. Uh, you know, he's injecting a little bit, just like, eh, I'm going to look around and see if anybody's going to notice. I'm going to throw that at the very end. See, see you know, because I've already killed off my main character. So we'll see if anybody actually reads to the end and we'll talk about this because I felt like it was very blatant. Like it was kind of obvious, like, ooh, Google, you went there at the end. OK, I'm saucy. I like it. I mean, this from the author that puts fish in his character's pockets <laughs> That have the sticky fingers. So, I mean, you never know what to expect with him. Other than, in my opinion, a great ride. Every time I read Gogol, just a pleasure. Agreed. Yeah. Can't go wrong with any of his stories. You're always, you, 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 you always know what you're going to get, but you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. My name has been Una. Thank you for spending some time out with some time out, some time with us today. Playlist down below of other Google Talks and check out what else we're doing this month. We're doing a bunch of spooky October reads. Woo. Peace out. Woo. Peace.